This is Jamila Blue from Conscious Michiana. Our purpose is to connect Michiana to holistic practitioners and mind, body, spirit events and places within our community. Today, we bring you Linda Raven. In our interview, we talk about her fascinating journey to becoming a radical life coach, as well as an embodiment facilitator. As you are listening to this podcast, you may find that you are interested in learning more about the many holistic resources within our community. For a full directory listing, please visit www.consciousmichiana.com. You can also find us on Facebook, and we have a newsletter, of course. If you are a practitioner and want to become a part of our growing community, please join the Michiana Holistic Hub Facebook group. You may also subscribe to the Conscious Michiana website and add your bio and upcoming events. Listings are free. If you enjoy this podcast, please help us out by leaving us some stars in a review. This will help far more than you may realize. In the podcast world, this goes a long way in helping others find us. And it's a free way to help support. So let's get started. Linda Raven, welcome to Conscious Michiana. I am so excited to be able to have this podcast interview with you. Um, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And I'm really excited to have a chat with you as well. Yeah, this is exciting. It's amazing what we can do with technology these days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we don't have to go to a, a, a studio space. We can each sip on our drinks and enjoy each other's conversation by video and, in this case, audio for our listeners, and be able to um, talk and, and enjoy each other's company. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to this. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. So, Linda, it's I don't remember when we first met, but I do remember it was one of the ecstatic dances. Mm-hmm. And I just really enjoyed the energy and your, the way that you carry yourself and just, you know, you're just very unique. And um, it's always wonderful to dance with you on the dance floor. And over over time, I've, I got to know your story. And I just thought that it was absolutely fascinating. Also, I learned along the way, since both of us love embodiment, that um, you're, we both love Gabrielle Roth and the work that she has mm-hmm. done and has left us with, with her five rhythms. And, you know, she's been a huge influence in my life. And um, yeah, so I just love that we have so many different ways that we are able to connect and relate to each other. And mm-hmm. this is going to be a good time. So yeah. So, yeah. Linda, tell us about your story. How did you get to be where you are now and and what you're doing with your radical life coaching, embodied liberation, scrumptious movement? I mean, all of that sounds so fascinating. How did you how did you get there? It's a long story, but I'll try to keep it relatively brief and just give the highlights. Um, So I grew up in South Bend and um, kind of a conventional childhood and all of that. And when I went to college, was told, you know, you need to 
study something practical so that you can get a good job and support yourself after you graduate. So I studied engineering and got a job in Southern California working as an engineer. And after a few years of doing that, I felt like, okay, I'm supporting myself. Now what? Um, I was working with all these people who were counting the days to retirement. And here I was in my early twenties, looking at them, counting their days till retirement going, okay, this can't be what I do for the next 40 years. Um, and I had a lot of questions about why I wasn't happy and what else there is. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I feel like sometimes we do our children a misservice by making it seem like adulthood is just a thing you do and it just comes simply. Um, I just felt like, oh, I just thought I'd graduate from college and get a job and it would all become apparent from, for me from there. And I just felt so lost and like, okay, now what? So long story short, I ended up moving to Namibia. I joined the Peace Corps and went to Namibia and I taught um, in a school for two years and then did HIV AIDS education for a year. And at the end of that year, I had seen the impact that um, the U.S. government plays in Namibia's foreign policies. And it was really disturbing. There was a whole lot that I saw during that year that was really disturbing and gave me way more questions than I could possibly process all on my own. So I came back to the U.S. and um, spent a few years trying to process it, working as an engineer again. And then I got a master's degree in international development and social change to try to reach some more understanding of what I had seen. Meanwhile, I had also started practicing yoga. And so while trying to process and understand all of this, I was developing this um, spiritual practice as well. And, you know, inquiring within and exploring my own internal landscapes while trying to understand these bigger, larger political landscapes in which we were, that I was living and just really trying to wrap my head around all of it. It was all just so much. Um, but I felt that the two really supported each other, my yoga practice, as well as my curiosity about why the world is as it is. Um, so after I finished my master's degree, I got a job teaching a study abroad program in Namibia. So I went back to Namibia for nine years and taught college students from the United States who came to Namibia for a semester long program. And on the side of that job, I was teaching yoga just to, as a hobby for the fun of it. And so during the day, I at my day job, I was working with these college students and we were learning about racism and poverty and inequality and all of these social issues and having these intense, really interesting discussions about what's wrong with the world and what needs to happen to make it better. And then on the side, I was teaching yoga and I had all these, even in Namibia, I had all these white women like me coming into class to get calm and relax and enjoy. And I really wanted to engage them in some of these discussions also, but they don't come for that. They come for yoga. They want to come and relax and leave all the problems of the world outside. At the same time, when I was teaching my students, it was this very academic cognitive thing. And we would explore these different theories and approaches, but there was, it was really hard to invite this personal. And how does that land in your body? What do you notice happening for you as we discuss this? You can't really do that as a college professor, at least not in, that, in, in a lot of settings. So it, it really felt like this, these two separate worlds of 
this thing that is so important to me and this other thing that is also so important to me and they're divided and they shouldn't be divided. They should be one, but the way they're set up in this set up currently they're divided. So in the, in the interim, I met my ex-husband who started as my boyfriend, became my husband. And now he's my ex-husband, the way things happen. Um, and he lived in Angola, which is the country north of Namibia. And he wanted us to move to, to Angola. And it sounded like an interesting opportunity, but I, um, we were going to, uh, we were going there because his family owns a farm and it was pretty neglected and we wanted to get it up and running. And we had all these dreams about turning it into this yoga farm, spa holiday, you know, something kind of like where we go in Michigan for ecstatic dance. Um, we had all these visions and it was, it was going to be amazing, but I also knew that I didn't want to just have all of my energy focused just on the farm and I needed something of my own. And that's when I stumbled across life coaching, which seemed like an interesting way to take all of my interests and put this umbrella over it. That could be one word, um, or, you know, multiple words, but one title, um, over all of my interests, because I didn't quite know how do I describe all of the things that I'm passionate about in a concise way. And so Radical Life Coach became a way that I could concisely explain all that I do. And obviously Radical Life Coach doesn't really tell you much about what it is that I do, but it gives you a glimpse. It gives you an idea there's something different about her. She's a life coach. Most people have a sense of what a life coach is, but throwing the word radical in front of it tells you there's something different about me. I'm maybe not quite like all the conventional life coaches. Um, and so, you know, as you may have guessed, since I referred to him as my ex-husband, that ended. And so I stayed back in South Bend. And, um, and as I've been adjusting to life in South Bend and evolving who I am as a coach, I've been stumbling across different things. For example, I no longer practice yoga. And that's kind of a long story. I wrote a fairly long blog post explaining why I don't practice yoga. Um, but a lot of it really has to do with that. I noticed that a lot of, um, for myself, you know, I'm not judging anybody else. This is just my own personal experience. But for myself, I found that there was a lot of, um, these cultural practices of perfectionism that had become embedded in the way yoga was being practiced. And so I kept putting all of this stuff on myself about if I lost my temper, I was a failure as a yoga teacher. And it was like, oh my, you know, and even those, you know, to be honest, actually, sometimes people kind of put it on me too. If they saw me getting stressed out, they'd be like, I thought you were a yoga teacher. What do you mean you're stressed out? And that's just so unrealistic. I'm a human being first. <laughs> and yes, I get angry. I get stressed. I experience all the things. And yes, yoga was an amazing tool for keeping me regulated, for supporting me. But that doesn't mean that I was superhuman and that I was achieving enlightenment. And there was kind of this idea that, well, if you teach yoga, you should be sitting on the mountaintop with your enlightenment. Um, and you should never be getting stressed, never be getting angry. And I had internalized that as well. And so every time I got angry, I judged myself and I was like, oh, I suck. And I need to go do more yoga. Let me go meditate even longer tomorrow and see if that will keep me from being you know, angry tomorrow. And it was just became really unhealthy. And I found I had to just let the whole thing go. 
Um, and when I let the whole thing go, I didn't want to leave movement because embodiment and movement were still really important to me. And I started exploring a variety of movement practices and looking for common themes and looking for what, what lights me up? What do I enjoy? What brings me pleasure? And my own personal movement practice evolved into just my own exploration of joy and pleasure. And it includes a whole lot of movements that I've learned from Zumba, natural movement, yoga, you name it. I love to move. And there's all these different ways you can move. I've studied some Feldenkrais, you know, so my own movement practice includes all of that, but it's really just guided by what really feels good. And being guided by what feels good, sometimes I get the sense people assume that means sitting on the couch eating bonbons. But, you know, it's like, well, this is pleasurable. I'm feeling really good, just chilling out, doing nothing. But it's, it's, for me, it's much deeper than that. It's, okay, why does sitting on the couch eating bonbons feel good? What feels good about that? And now bring a little more movement into it and see if you can continue having that delightful feeling. And now make it a little bit more challenging and see where you can find the joy and pleasure in that. And so my own personal movement practice right now has a variety of, it, I mean, it's, it's alive and spontaneous and it's what wants to come through me, but there's a lot of times that there's really challenging movements that come through, but it's an amazing practice to explore. And how can I make this feel delightful and scrumptious? Um, so that's more or less how radical life coaching scrum and scrumptious movement came to be. And embodied liberation is really my own attempt at marrying the two things I described I was doing in Namibia, the um, social justice education with my college students and the yoga teaching and saying, these should not be separate. Let's get together and discuss important issues and explore them, but not from this cognitive academic standpoint of exploring theories, but from an embodied place. Let's really sense into how does this live in me? What do I notice happening in my body when I acknowledge my racism, when I, when I acknowledge what I feel in different stressful situations, where I acknowledge my discomfort in talking about racism? What do I actually feel in my body in these places? And how can I work with that? And how can I explore that in order to to make these conversations, these explorations, and to make these changes that need to happen. Wow, that's an incredible story. I <laughs> love that. I love that. So out of curiosity, going back to Radical Life Coach, mm -hmm. can you talk about your, um, your, your coaching process and what makes you a Radical Life Coach? Sure, sure. So when I first started coaching, I didn't know I was a radical life coach. I, you know, did a mainstream coaching certification program and hung up a shingle saying I'm a life coach. Um, and um, I don't remember what my initial title was because every life coach, you know, they always tell you in, in coaching and marketing school, um, you need a niche. And so I had some niche that I came up with and gave myself some title and I explored a variety of titles. Um, but it was a really interesting process for me as I started telling people that I was a coach and getting to know people. And initially, 
I was really embarrassed of my background. And I would go to these mainstream BNI or, you know, these different networking events where I would meet these kind of conventional business people. And I would, you know, put on my best business clothes and, and put my hair back and do all of that and wear the, the fancy shoes and go in and try to say, oh, yes, I'm a life coach. I'm a very normal life coach. And, and I always felt like, you know, there's a lot of movies that have this, this meme, these like sitcom movies where, um, you know, there's the kid that's trying to hide the thing from their parents and the parents are like, so son, how was your day at school? And like, he's got like the puppy under his jacket or whatever, you know, and he's like sitting there trying to hide the puppy and hold a normal conversation with his dad. And the puppy's trying to peek out. And the dad is just like, so what did you learn in math class? And the kids, oh no, oh no. That's what I felt like. I would go to these BNIs and just be like, yes, I'm a, I'm a normal life coach. Yes. Let us discuss normal things that regular people discuss. And inevitably it would come up in the conversation like, oh, actually, well, I've been living in Namibia for the last nine years. So I actually don't know what you're talking about because I am completely out of pop culture and I am not working in the conventional US business world. And I actually identify as anti-capitalist and I do see how our capitalist system is exploiting the earth's resources and taking advantage of low, page, low wage labor and actually profits off of racism and sexism because we need an underclass to fuel our capitalist economy. And so you know, those kinds of things would come out in some way. And I'd always be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you just can't bring me anywhere. I don't fit in in mainstream society. And then I was, I was talking to a friend at one point and I said something about, you know, about this. And he just said, you know, you're a different kind of life coach. And from that moment on, I was like, yes, I am. And that's, and I'm going to embrace it and quit trying to hide it like that kid with the puppy. I'm just going to put it on my business cards and say, yes, I'm a radical life coach. And so what that means to me as a coach is my embodiment practices and my social justice practices are part of my coaching. And so we are our bodies. Our bodies and our minds are not two, as Descartes tried to tell us, our body and mind is one. We are one. We are not divided into these separate pieces and parts that can be described separately. Um, and so when I work with somebody and there's something they want to change in their life, it's not just a mindset change they want. They actually want to do something differently because if changing your mindset was all you wanted, your life wouldn't change. You would just change how you felt about things or what you thought about things, but you actually want something materially, tangibly, physically to change in your life. And so that's an integrated part of my coaching is exploring how you want to do things differently. And yes, a mindset shift can support that. And a change in how you do things can support a mindset shift. And it's all, it's all one. Um, meanwhile, I also have the social justice lens. So I also acknowledge very often how um, a lot of times what a lot of life coaches refer to as limiting beliefs, it's, it's not something you're born with. It's not something that like there's, we have so much shame around our, our so-called inner critics, our inner beliefs, our, all of that stuff that we carry because we think, well, what's wrong with me? Why do I think there's something wrong with me? You know, we have shame that we have shame. And of course we have shame because we are internalizing constantly these messages 
of what we should be doing, this perfectionism that I described about why I left yoga. You know, we're supposed to be these perfect people who have these perfect physical bodies, these perfect families, perfect health, um, perfectly calm all the time, perfect financial situations, all of these things that are just so unrealistic and none of us have it. And, and yet we think we're the only one who doesn't have it. So we carry this shame. And so very often when I'm working with a client and we identify some in some way that they feel shame or, or um, inferiority, not enoughness, I name that it's not just you. This is a societal thing. This is part of the illness of our society. And of course you have that. It's completely normal. Um, and yeah, let's work with it so that you can rise above it and be, become, you know, step into the awesomeness that you were born to be. It's you weren't born to feel shame about these things, but of course you do because it's normal because we all do. That's beautiful. I, I love that you give a space to be able to identify those things. And what I do know about you is your non-judgmentalness. And I feel 100% confident saying that that would be something that you bring to the table um, just because of the thing, just because of the conversations that we've had. And I just, I love that. I love um, your, your ideas about how just having so many different societal views and those images of perfection that we all carry and also, I mean, it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so often society tells us that we can't. Mm-hmm. And by being vulnerable, we're showing weakness. When in actuality, by showing our vulnerability, we're showing our humanness. And are, yeah. it's just that much easier to relate to each other. You Absolutely. know, ah, you're experiencing that too. Oh, okay. Wow. Things aren't perfect with you also. Oh, and all of a sudden there's this space of being able to relax because we don't have the sense of perfectionism that's clouded over us and around us. That's Absolutely. beautiful. Absolutely. Oh, I just dream about living in a world where we don't, where we can take off our masks. I mean, okay. That metaphor doesn't work as well in a COVID time, but you know what I mean, metaphorically, take off our masks. And how amazing would it be if you could just see, I'm living amongst all these people who are dealing with so much. I'm not Mm -hmm. alone. And I can be compassionate with you because now I can see what you're dealing with. You're compassionate with me because you know we're all dealing with so much and we don't have to put on these facades of having it all together because- Nobody has it all together. Exactly. Nobody has it all together. So if I wanted to come and experience scrumptious movement with you, first of all, it's cold outside. I know you were doing it in the park. Are you still doing it in a park, even though it's cold outside? I am doing it in the park. One of the things, it was really hard for me to make the decision to move back to South Bend when I chose to. I I chose to for a variety of reasons, and that's a longer discussion. But one of the things I decided when I decided to move back to South Bend is that I would buy appropriate winter clothing. I didn't want to hate living in South Bend for several months of the year. So I said, let me buy the appropriate winter clothing. So yes, I do scrumptious movement outdoors year round because um, it's really fun to be outdoors. I was out 
my whole family showed up for scrumptious movement one day last February when it was in the single digits and we had a blast. There was like two feet of snow in the ground and we were out there. It's extra fun in the snow actually, because you can do somersaults and all kinds of things in the snow that you might not feel comfortable doing on harder ground. Um, so yes, I do it rain or shine, um, snow, cold, hot, whatever. Um, so, but I haven't done this yet, but I am exploring trying to do it virtually. I've been very biased towards doing it in person because I really feel that the context is really important that we're both in the same physical space. But a friend of mine convinced me that um, virtual might be interesting too. And, and I don't have to do virtual to the exclusion of in-person. So I, um, for the, for the next few months, I'm doing scrumptious movement pop-up style. So I'll do it like once a month and I'll announce it on my website and Facebook page. I'm, I haven't created the Facebook event, pro, event yet, but I will before this podcast is published. So I'll be doing it on December 18th at 11 a.m. in Keller Park, which is on Riverside Drive, um, just... Um, just near the Keller Park Library, if you remember um, where the Keller Park Library used to be before they reopened the main library, um, near Brown, the former Brown Middle School, I think it's now called the Brown Learning Center or something like that. Um, 11, 11 a.m. on December 18th, I'll be doing it in Keller Park, but I'm also going to do it at two o'clock on December 5th on Zoom. And I'll also have that on my website and on my Facebook page, how to get on that. And that's a pilot, obviously. That's my first time doing it virtually, but I have a lot of ideas about how to try to make it work virtually. It'll be a fun little exploration. That sounds fun and amazing. Both of those are Saturdays, correct? Um, December 5th is a Sunday. December 18th is a Saturday. Okay. So walk us through scrumptious movement. Um, I, I've, I've had the, the pleasure of, of experiencing it with you, and I've absolutely loved it. Um, but for our listeners, would you describe what scrumptious movement is? I mean, am I like just going and out to the park and doing somersaults? Like, what am I doing when I get there? What can I awesome. expect? Yeah. So in theory, it's whatever you want. So the idea is just to embrace joy and pleasure through movement. So whatever brings you joy and pleasure. The sad thing is most of us are fairly disconnected and we don't know. And we're so used to showing up to conventional fitness classes and being told what to do and just following instructions. And even though so many fitness classes do say things like, listen to your body, you know, only use my words as suggestions. I used to say this all the time when I taught yoga, but people still just looked at me and said, I do what she does. You know, she's the teacher. I follow her. I I follow her guidance. And so scrumptious movement is really trying to push the boundary on that and saying, really listen to your body and find what brings you joy and pleasure. But I still recognize that so many of us are disconnected. So I offer subtle clues, um, subtle suggestions, subtle guidance, but it's really, really open. I encourage you, as I always say, um, to channel your inner five-year-old and say, you're not the boss of me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, So we usually start with a few embodiment practices really intentionally just to ground into your body. Um, So many of us arrive with our minds moving at a mile in a minute. 
a minute. So taking some time to really feel how is my body feeling today? What am I noticing? What feels like pleasure? And then exploring now that I'm connected more with the sensations in my body and what feels like pleasure, let's explore a variety of movement practices. Let's explore what it feels like to roll, to walk, to jump, to crawl, to hang, to, um, to dance. I bring balls for throwing and catching and just a variety of, of movement patterns that we may or may not get in our daily life. Um, you're always welcome to do any other movement pattern. It's just an interesting suggestion to explore. When's the last time you crawled? Let's try some crawling and let's feel where's the joy and pleasure in crawling. And there's so many different ways to do all of these things. So I present a variety of different crawling patterns and we can explore different ways of crawling and what feels like pleasure in all these different ways of crawling. There's different ways of jumping. There's different ways of walking, of running, of um, throwing and catching. And so just exploring a wide variety of movement patterns with the theme, what feels like pleasure and how can I make this more joyful? My inner child is just like dancing and jumping for joy, just hearing you describe all of these activities, doing a big yes, 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 all of the things. It's just That's because the whole idea. Exactly. We don't have a chance to move nearly often enough. So just having that, that, that safe space to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you said your inner child is jumping for joy because that's exactly it. When you were five years old, nobody had to tell you to jump for joy. You just jumped for joy. But at some point in time, you were probably told, Jamila, sit down. Jamila, would you sit down? And you internalize that. And suddenly you don't stand up. Uh-huh. And that's so heartbreaking. And And then when you do stand up, you look around, you know, like if you go to a Zumba class, you'll look around and be like, what are we doing now? I don't want to be the one who's doing it wrong. I mean, even though Zumba is a blast, I love Zumba. Don't get me wrong. Um, It's so much fun. And and you're welcome. Zumba teachers always say, whatever you do, just keep moving. It doesn't matter if you're doing it right. But there's still this thing where you're kind of looking around like, oh, everybody started going right. And I was going left. I look like the idiot, you know? So there's still that stuff that keeps coming up because we were so steeped in it. And so, yeah, jump for joy. (laughs) I love that. You know, I I have to say that one of the reasons that I, I mean, as much as as much as I love Zumba, one of the reasons that I don't do that or like the Latin dance stuff, because I, I am horrible with any type of choreography. And so therefore, I mean, I know that I'm just going to go there and have fun on the sidelines, just doing my own thing, as opposed <laughs> to really participating. And I just all of it, and I, and I feel like the, the outcast or like that one over there who's doing her own thing. And I'm like, and I don't want to be that person. So, you know, I might go like if friends invite me or just to show up because of usually because friends invite me. Um, But when it comes down to it, my body doesn't do choreography as much as I would love for it to. It's just, you know, (laughs) I can't say I have two left feet because I don't, but when it comes down to like doing those movements. mm -mm. So I know that that's something that I absolutely enjoyed about attending scrumptious movement with you is being able to have that invitation to 
move however I want to. And I also really appreciated your guidance as far as, because, you know, there are those times where I'm, you know, you just kind of lie there and it's like, mm, and, and, and what do I do next? You know? And so, right. you know, after I did it with you the first time, I was like, oh, okay. I, I, now I know, I know the rules of engagement, so to speak, where right. the first time it was like, ah, I, 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 I need you to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I know I have room to explore it from there. And mm -hmm. I think that probably a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So how did you come up with the name Scrumptious Movie? <laughs> I love it. I love that so much. Um, I was actually exploring different names. I really wanted something um, that communicated that it was movement for the delight and pleasure of movement. Um, so many of our movement practices are about losing weight or strengthening your abs or, you know, making your body better for bicycling or whatever, you know? Um, and I wanted something that just really emphasized it was just for fun. And I actually asked my family and, and I said, I was thinking about delicious movement, but, um, but it's already taken. I like had Googled it and somebody else was already doing delicious movement. And, and I was like, what else, what, what could really convey this? And it was actually my brother who said, how about scrumptious movement? And it was shortly after my dad passed away that he said scrumptious movement. And my dad used to, my dad loved food. Food was the delight of my dad's life. And after a good meal, he would always look at my mom and say, honey, that was scrumptious. <laughs> so, so it felt also kind of like honoring my dad by naming it scrumptious movement. Ah, oh, I love that. I love that. And I love the name. Every time I hear it, I just, you know, it just lightens me up. You know, it just puts a smile on my face. It's scrumptious movement. Ooh. <laughs> it almost sounds like dirty or naughty. It's scrumptious, but it's not right. Like there's just exactly. something, there just must be something extra about it because it's scrumptious. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that because sometimes people are like, oh, are you doing that luscious movement? And I'm like, it's not luscious movement. It's scrumptious movement movement, but it does kind of have that dirty, naughty thing. And I think part of that is because other than sex, we're not really invited to experience pleasure in our bodies, you know, like pleasure in your body is reserved for the bedroom. Mm. Otherwise, what you do with your body should be productive in some way. You should be helping people. You should be um, contributing to the financial bottom line. There should be some productive outcome unless you're in the bedroom then it can be pleasurable right and so it's really fun to me to kind of play with that sexual um and and kind of double entendre somewhat but be like no this is actually me and mine enjoying my own pleasure and it doesn't have to be sexual it can be but it doesn't uh, have to be love that i love that i think that's great so in regard to one of the other things that I wanted to ask you is I know that you do these things, scrumptious movement, embodied liberation um, within the community. However, do you have anything specific like any type of outreach to community or things within the community that you connect to um, that you'd like to talk about? 
Personally, um, not related to my coaching exactly. I am very involved in the community. I just recently moved to the near Northwest neighborhood and I am active. I volunteer a lot in the near Northwest neighborhood. I'm also involved in the Michigan Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, which is a community activist organization. Um, there's a handful of other organizations that I've been working with as well. Um, activism within my local community is really important to me. Um, so that's just on a personal level. Um, I'm also exploring um, offering workshops in the community. Um, one thing I found with Embodied Liberation is as much as I was excited about it, I think my, my sense is that the title and the directness of it were a bit too um, much for people. And so I'm off exploring offering workshops that are based on the same concept, but that have um, titles and themes that are maybe more palatable to more people, you know, titles like self-care and um, identifying your values and working with your values, or I'm going to be doing one in January on new year, new you, you know, those, those kinds of things, but it's all kind of still based on the same foundation as embodied liberation, but with things that are perhaps more palatable. And I'm starting off, um, my, these workshops generally with nonprofit organizations. So I've approached a handful of nonprofit organizations to explore offering these workshops with them. And then we'll see where I go from there with them. Fabulous. I can't wait to see uh, what you have coming up with that. Out of curiosity, you. have you approached like um, St. Margaret's House or, you know, places where you could connect with whether it's domestic violence or impoverished community in some way? I'm not sure. I was just curious if that was something that you'd explored yet. I, I've I've contacted a few organizations like that to work with the staff for their own self-care and their own boundary setting and their own self-regulation. Um, but I haven't approached them regarding working with their clients as much, partly because um, oftentimes the intensity of the issues that they're working with really, I often require more of the work of an addiction or mental health therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There's just such a huge need, you know, mm -hmm. at so many levels and, um, I'm just really excited about the work that you do have, um, that you are making available to us. And I really love the point of view from which you come um, with social justice and, you know, in mind and how you're able to help liberate and free us in our movement with that type of background and thought process, I think is really meaningful. Thank you. Is there anything that I've not asked or mentioned um, that you would like to make sure is included? Overall, I think we've covered it. I feel pretty good. Thank you. Thanks for you're, asking that, though. You're welcome. You're welcome. So how about some uh, rapid fire questions? Sure. So what do you love most about embodied movement when you offer it to others? I love... Seeing somebody arrive to, for example, scrumptious movement and looking kind of confused and wondering, am I in the right place? What are we going to do here? And then seeing them, like you said, you know, it kind of clicks and they go, oh, so that's what we're doing. Oh, this is fun. Oh, this feels good. Oh, I like this. And having that, that shift of 
okay, where, where are we doing? What are we doing? What? Uh, oh, seeing that transformation is really exciting for me. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can see why you would say that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I didn't mention earlier, as far as when I, I, I think that it's, I, I love your sign, by the way. I, I love uh -huh. that you, because you are at a park. So anybody who is going to join a Linda for some scrumptious movement, she has this beautiful sign that she's done. So you know that that's her and what she's doing. And it just makes it very deliberate. And you know that you're in the right place. And I really appreciate that is somebody mm -hmm. who's like looking around the park. And if I didn't know who you were, I would be otherwise be wondering. <laughs> and not only that, but it allows people to be like, oh, and what is that? Who are just walking by exactly. because they're just hanging out in the park. So I just thought that was very brilliant of you. Um, so that's just something for anybody who is um, seeking you out. You'll know that you found her because there is going to be her play bag full of things as well as a sign that says you have arrived at the right place. So mm -hmm. um, I thought that that was just really helpful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. So what three words do you have that would um, that would describe how people feel after um, experiencing your embodied movement practice? I would say the first one is spacious. They feel like, oh, I can be more than I felt like I could. I can be bigger. I can, I can do more and be more. Um, affirmed is one. I so often hear from people things like, oh, I didn't know I could say that out loud and be recognized and seen in what I believe. And so feeling affirmed and I just have to say liberated. Affirmed, liberated and spacious. That's awesome. Wonderful. If someone were lacking confidence or were just kind of uncomfortable about um, scheduling an appointment with you for coaching or even coming out to one of your movement practices, embodied liberation or scrumptious movement, what advice would you give them, um, you know, to kind of just set their mind at ease or allow them to feel less anxious? Well, they're more than welcome to get in touch with me and discuss with me any questions or concerns they may have in advance. Um, as you said, I try to be as non-judgmental as possible and as welcoming as possible. So, you know, as we've kind of has been a theme throughout our discussion all today is come as you are, you know, you are amazing as you are, there's nothing wrong with you. And so I really see you that way. And so, um, I know that it's really hard to believe that it's okay and it's safe to come as you are but it really is. And so you are invited to show up how you are. Um, if you're interested in coaching on my website, I have a link that you can click to schedule a free introductory session. And so that's an, a great way to meet me and get a sense of who I am one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but if even that is scary to you, you can reach out to me through email or any other means if it's more comfortable, whatever, um, I'm, I'm here and available and I welcome your questions. Perfect. People can get a hold of you on your website, lindaraven.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Perfect. And you also have a Facebook page. Is it Linda Raven Counseling? Coaching. Coaching. Thank you. Yes, yes. of course it would be coaching. Yes. Uh -huh. Thank you. So Linda Raven Coaching on Facebook. And I think uh -huh. you're also on Instagram and 
I am on Instagram. I'm Linda F as in Francis Raven, Linda F Raven. Perfect. And I also see that you've got a newsletter, um, Notes from the Fringes. Mm -hmm. I love that. And embracing my, my, um, embracing my lack of perfectionism, um, Notes from the Fringes comes out very sporadically. So I, I have an idea about my newsletter, but don't expect it in your inbox anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So when you, yeah. when you get the hit, you honor it, and, and that's all perfect. Exactly. All perfect timing. Exactly. As I was going through your website and taking a look at the things, I, I had to chuckle because when I'd seen on your coaching page, true confessions, I worked on the U.S. government defense contracts. I just had to laugh when I saw that because, you know, just meeting you and talking with you, that would be the last thing that I would suspect of you, truly, because you just don't seem the type. So I just had to laugh when I saw that. Um, I just thought it was hilarious. Talk about it a backstory. That's it amazing. Is. Yeah, that's why I put it that way. Because very often when it comes up in conversations, people respond the same way. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yes, I had a secret clearance at one point in my life. <laughs> and that just, yeah, it makes me laugh also. <laughs> I love that. All right, Linda. Well, it has been a pleasure talking with you tonight. I encourage all of our listeners to absolutely check out the work that Linda does. Um, check out her radical coaching. Enjoy some of her scrumptious movement or embodied liberation. And you can find out more on her website and Facebook links to come. It has been a joy and a pleasure, Linda. Thank you. Thank you, Jamila. It's absolutely been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. That was a fun interview. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Linda Raven is an extraordinary woman and she just has an incredible story. Absolutely loved it. And I do hope that you'll check her scrumptious movement out. She has, as she had mentioned, is doing an online virtual program as well as, um, her event at Color Park, and you can find information about that on Conscious Michiana's website as well as on her website. So please check it out. Also, I wanted to make sure that I gave credit to Carolyn Coble. We're using her music for our intro and outro. It's a, a track from her work. Uh, Carolyn Coble, Collected Works, Volume 3, Collaborations, and the title of the track is called Frame Drum Odyssey 2. You can find her information on Bandcamp. As always, show notes will have website information, uh, which will include Linda's website, as well as the Bandcamp information for Carolyn Coble. She's an incredible musician in the area, and I definitely love the work that she does here as well. So I definitely wanted to make sure that we included her as part of this podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.